Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, and welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast, episode three. Appreciate everybody listening and watching. Um, we have here myself, Dr. Kyle Osborne, your host and clinician. But of course, I'm not here by myself. I'm here with the one and only Dr. Jason Coleman. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hello. Hello. I appreciate everybody listening um, to the last episode and we definitely appreciate the support. Um, how you feeling today, man? Feeling pretty cool, man. You know, it's uh, to the end of the weekend, but, uh, you know, get ready to get out there and say some lies at the beginning of the week tomorrow. You know, <laughs> always too short, right? Always. Always. Too short. always. All right, man. So what we'll do, we'll get into it. But before we do, uh, I wanted uh, an article came across my, my desk uh, a week or so ago. So I do apologize. I wanted uh, I wanted to talk about it uh, last week, but it just kind of slipped my mind after we, we got into our discussion. Uh, but what I wanted to do is highlight two HBCU schools. And, you know, of course, us being two proud HBCU alums, I always want to point out and highlight anytime um, any HBCU is doing good in our community. So um as everyone is aware of, unfortunately, Texas recently uh, or the state of Texas has recently been going through some really difficult times due to the recent winter storms that um, that came through. And um, I wanted to highlight uh, that during this time and for people that aren't aware, uh, we will we'll still want to continue to, to uh, throw thoughts and prayers out to the, the residents of Texas. But throughout this winter storm, um, unfortunately, you had a lot of power outages. You had water shortages. You had, um, you know, people with no heat. Uh, unfortunately, there were some casualties and people lost their lives due to the record low temperatures out there. So um, and amidst all the chaos, why a lot while a lot of the um, Texas politicians were blaming each other and you had some other <laughs> politicians that were taking inappropriate vacations to Mexico. Um <laughs> We had a couple HBCUs that uh, that really stepped up. So I wanted to acknowledge Prairie View AM University and Texas Southern University. So while this was taking place, while they were recovering from the storm, uh, you had Prairie View and TSU. They both stepped up and they made food available for students and local residents. Uh, Prairie View actually went as far as turning uh, a part of their campus into, I think, what they called a, a warming center. And they provided shelter to anyone um, in the city as well as their students. And so they were uh, handing out water. They were uh, serving food from at the like Chick-fil-A location. So um, they really stepped up uh, when the residents of, of those um, areas were in need. So, you know, uh, I always want to highlight when our our schools are doing good work in the community, because unfortunately, you know, the general media and newspapers and television stations and so on and so forth, 
only tend to focus on the negative that are happening in our community. So it's always really important that we continue to highlight that. And especially because, you know, when these natural disasters occur, whether it be either flooding or whether it's a hurricane or other different things that take place, you know, our communities are hit first and they suffer the longest, right? Just due to a lack of resources. So this is, uh, I have to big up and shout out, um, Prairie View and, and TSU for, you know, stepping up and doing their community first efforts, man, because it's, uh, I can't, it's, it's, it's great when we're the ones that are, are stepping in and, and, and helping out folks that are unfortunately fall are less unfortunate. So, um, so shout out to them, uh, to those two HBCUs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that was def that's definitely a good article, um, just in reviewing it. Um, well, first and foremost, just, you know, this is Black History Month, you know, so of course, highlighting, you know, our historically black colleges and universities is important um, and their contributions because, you know, that's not always recognized. So stand up to the real HU, um, you know, and Cheney and all the rest, of, obviously all the rest of the HBCUs out there. Um, but, you know, this was honestly an important, you know, article because, again, I think that, you know, actions like this, especially when we look at like the climate that we in in the United States, you know, just as a whole, you know, we really are in kind of the environment where people are kind of looking to take care of themselves and their own people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it kind of says, says a lot, you know, about, you know, kind of um, the sentiment to what these, which these schools approach this emergency, right? Because uh, part of the problem, you know, like with this larger pandemic and a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in America and like our attitudes towards addressing those issues is that, listen, if it doesn't affect our people, we don't really care. Right. Right. Um, that's kind of um, the mindset that a lot of us have gotten into, um, especially over the last four years. Um, so I think it's good. You know, um, one of the things kind of in reading the article and doing a little bit more research, um, you know, that I kind of like about it was, you know, they were also talking about opening um, the campus or whatever facilities to anybody in the community that also needed housing, right? So right. I think that's an important thing, you know, um, talking about warming centers and just general acts of, you know, kindness, gratitude, whatever you want to call it, um, go a long way in terms of, uh, you know, the times that we're in, especially, um, and everybody could kind of use a hand right now. So you know, it's kind of like a feel good kind of story, um, but I think it's kind of fitting, especially on the last day of Black, Black History Month that we kind of, you know, started out with that, you know. Um, but again, you know, <clears throat> I just think it's a good thing, um, you know, and I, I think definitely it's, it's something that we should put it on, especially at the beginning, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, their efforts uh, can't be overstated. You know, I definitely had um, a feeling of pride you know, just knowing that they stepped up in, in that um, in that capacity. So uh, continue doing what you're doing down there in Prairie View and with Texas SU and, and to the state of Texas. Um, also, guys, and, you know, you know, Dr. Jason and I, we don't see and hear everything. So if there are other things along with the comments and along with the feedback that we want you guys to provide us on, you know, YouTube and on the Instagram and all the other different platforms, if there are other different you know, things of this nature, events that are taking place, guys, like, let us know. So because, you know, we we want to, you know, shout that out to any and everyone that's listening or watching. So um, absolutely. Um, so kind of staying along with the college front, 
the topic I wanted us to get into next involves with how dealing or treating your mental health actually resulted in a huge um, financial burden for one student. Um, and I imagine this takes place you know, more often than not, um, especially on college campuses. So I'm gonna give you guys a rundown of what took place. So um, in this article that Jason and I got a chance to review, it was a 20 year old freshman. Um, she's from Mumbai, India, and she's attending Hofstra University, which is located in Hempstead, uh, New York. Uh, she has a history of panic disorders or, and panic attacks. And in the midst of her arriving and moving in on campus, um, of course, during the pandemic, and dealing with the isolation that goes along with some of the protocols that a lot of schools have put in place, um, her anxiety started to elevate and balloon to like this extreme level when she found out that her family was having difficulty uh, coming up with the the tuition installment. And so in true um, college university uh, fashion, you know, when, you know, the bill isn't, isn't rectified or your accountant is in good standing, she started receiving different notifications and then threats of right. being removed off a of campus and so on and so forth. So in an effort for her to try to uh, cope with this uh, level of stress and anxiety that she was experiencing, she made her way to the uh, campus counseling center and she met with a psychologist and um, per her account, all that she really wanted to take place was she just wanted someone to, you know, um, just kind of validate her experiences of, of what she's going through. And what she said is that when she mentioned suicidal thoughts, that the psychologist recommended that she receive a psychiatric evaluation. Um, and so she went to one of the nearby hospitals and that resulted in her staying seven days on the, um, an inpatient psychiatric unit. And what she said, her time there was that she spent a lot of time alone. Uh, she received minimal therapy. And at the end of it, she received the bill for like $3,500. So now we have an individual that was already stressed out um, about finances and her anxieties at an all-time high. And, and in the process of her trying to deal with the situation, um, she was hospitalized and she received another bill. So now you have somebody that's dealing with two of the most costly bills that any American can receive. And that's coming from either a college or university or a hospital bill. So, you know, just kind of reading through this article and, and it also talks about how the situation was, um, the financial aspects of it. They talk about that also in the article, but, you know, before we get to that, uh, Jay, what was your thoughts, uh, regarding what you read? Um, I mean, you know, I kind of was looking at the bigger issue. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, the bigger issue with this is, you know, you go through the protocol, right? So people tell you, you know, when you have a mental health issue, don't keep it to yourself. You know, the whole spiel, right? There's there's probably uh, brochures all over the college campus, right? Come to the college health center, call this number, blah, 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 right? With well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. She calls the number you know, speaks to the psychologist, she ends up going to crisis is the short end of it, you know, ends up with a $3,500 bill. My issue with this is, you know, um, does this discourage students on a, on, a high, on, a, on a larger level from using university services, right? Yes, it does, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, again, you know, we're, we're gonna get into the, I mean, maybe we, we'll talk about the insurance part of it now or later, but I think a big part of it too was, she also says she purchased insurance through the school, right? So she's following school protocol. 
purchases her insurance through the school, ends mm-hmm. up with a three thousand dollar balance. Right. You know, um, again, I, I'm not in hospital administration, so we're not here to debate that. But this doesn't pass the smell test on the surface. Right. In terms of what we are saying out of our mouth, what we want our young people to do in terms of seeking services and then handing them a four thousand dollar bill, you know, um, these type of situations have to be handled, you know, a different way. So just starting from the beginning, um, again, it doesn't sm- test pass the smell test. This is a person who had, you know, a lifelong kind of chronic history with a- with anxiety. Um, so again, um, for somebody to come away from that situation um, with no with feeling like they weren't helped at all and with a bill. Um, you know, I think it discourages students as a whole from, you know, using these services. Yeah, this is um, this is a, the, uh, probably like the worst nightmare that someone can envision. Like you said, someone trying to get help. It's this really personifies that adding, you know, injury to you know, insult or insult to injury, because it's like you have someone who's like, you know what, I'm probably never going to go through this process again. Right. Just even just thinking about it. And, you know, a lot of what, you know, this um, student went through, you know, resonates with me, even on a personal level, uh, just for the reason that, you know, I have a child that's in her freshman year of college. And, you know, what kept coming up for me was just kind of thinking, like, what if this was her? Right. She's already thinking about and you're already dreading and you're constantly worrying about financial issues. And now all of a sudden when trying to, like you said, follow the protocol, get what's supposed to be done or get the treatment to help you manage these issues, it's almost like you're being punished, unfortunately. And right. yeah, you're like, that's going to discourage her. Like that's going to, I'm sure that this has happened to a number of, um, of college students that are trying to go about it the right way. And it's unfortunate. And absolutely. Like there's definitely something awry here regarding this system and how, you know, this, the way this came out financially, right. Especially with the insurance is only taking a certain portion of, and it's like, you're going to leave a college student with this hefty bill, right. After seeking emergency services, and so like, no, this is like, no, there, there, I'm sure there are ways again that this, this should have been able to present this, but there's definitely something wrong with this picture. And bro, like, think about it on a, on just like a practical level, right? Um, think about when this gets around or just people hear about this type of situation, you're going to have kids feeling like they're in a situation where do I want to go get mental health services or do I want to give my parents another be- burden of a bell? You know, a lot of people that go to, college, you know, their parents are helping them. They got fast for those type of things. So, I mean, again, it's one thing. I, first of all, I don't even think it's de- it's fair to debate whether you want to put your meal card on your loans, right? Like food right. should be free. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Um, um, but it's one thing to, to, to be sitting around debating about whether, you know, you want to get the full meal plan or half or, or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. It's another thing whether you want to debate about whether to address these, you know, suicidal thoughts or depressive symptoms or symptoms of anxiety, especially when we're talking about which could be the most, you know, anxiety provoking, uh, uh, anxiety provoking period of some of these people's lives. Right. We're talking about their first time away from home, some of their first time balancing schedules, balancing money, um, you know, considering life choices, you know, serious relationships. 
all of those things, right? And and we're telling them we got services for you, but with a caveat, right? You know, and the caveat is a four thousand dollar bill. No, thank you. That's what most of them are going to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume. And you're going to have a large portion of people that are either going to self-medicate, you know, we're on college campus, right? Right. Or they're going to just talk talk to a friend um, and not saying, you know, that the friend might not be well-intentioned, but it might not be the best advice, right? So I think we create a situation where, um, you know, we're putting our young people in a difficult situation, you know, and a dangerous situation, you know? Um, we want them to be able to access services without fear, you know, of retribution, even if that's in the form of a bill, you know, as, as ridiculous as, as it may sound to some people who might hear that, um, with the things that we waste money on, you know, um, those type of services, if you, especially if you can't pay for them should be covered, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, especially this day and age, like things, information and bad experiences get out. Right. Like if someone has a bad experience, not just at a hospital, but you have a bad experience at a Wendy's. Like, listen, this is no, no, it's going out. (laughs) So absolutely. So when this gets out, like you said, this is going to discourage other people like, oh, and you mentioned one we're already dealing with the the pandemic right so that's an additional you know layer of stress and isolation that a lot of students are dealing with so like you said the people are either going to self-medicate they're going to get um not so great or maybe helpful advice or they're going to continue to isolate they're going to sit and stew you know in their room and things are going to continue to get worse right their symptoms are going to continue to you know manifest into even more extreme symptoms and so it's like, well, I'm not going to go there because this is what the end result is. They're not even going to be thinking about the their health. Their priority is going to be finances. I don't want to pay this bill despite how well I'm not feeling or how, you know, my anxiety is ballooning up. So it's it's really unfortunate. And you also have to take kind of take a look at you know, the insurance element and then also the hospital element, because even reading further into the article, right, there you know, uh, the hospitals and these insurances are supposed to put something in place where they're just like, hey, you know, we have policies where it's like, hey, if you do have to be hospitalized, you're eligible for, you know, a reduced or elim- will be able, will help you or assist you in eliminating that cost of it. But of course, you know, and I know they're going to be very discreet and you know, um, <laughs> promoting that information because right. they want you to take very, on that bill. Discreet. Right, exactly. Like they'll put maybe like a number there that says, oh, for, you know, for this call this number for financial assistance, but they're not going to flat out tell you, hey, you know what, for getting your bill reduced or possibly even eliminated, given your financial circumstances, you know, give this department a call, which is really unfortunate because like there are ways where they could, you know, be more intuitive or even counteract this issue. Right. This, This way that people are discouraging it, but they're choosing not to. You know, and it's really unfortunate. And like you said, a lot, this is going to affect a lot of, a lot of students' lives. And we already know between 14 and 25, you have like, this is a very delicate and tough area, you know, for, for kids, right? Between 14 and 25, you have a lot of kids that they're going to experience, you know, probably their first bout of some type of mental health episode, right? Whether it be anxiety, whether it be depression, whether it be whatever, right? Because so many different things take place between that age. And so now you have a specific, you know, 
age demographic, people that are going to need these services and you're going to, you know, like you said, catch 22 and say, hey, if you get these services, <laughs> we <laughs> come, on <laughs> come on in, right. you know. And so and I, I had to also think about probably how, you know, frightening that experience was her going on um, an inpatient unit. And I'm not going to call into question, you know, what the clinician, you know, why he recommended, because, again, we have to be really careful, especially when if someone does mention suicidal thoughts and, and the content to which that's made it, because suicide, unfortunately, among that same population is the second leading cause of death, right, among those that that age group. So, but I can only imagine also just thinking about when she probably went on that psychiatric unit, you know, she's also probably with other adults that are suffering severe mental health issues, right, as opposed right. to she probably just needed or was recommended for an acute hospitalization. So, you have so many different layers of trauma that this individual or individuals are going through when this takes place, right? You already got the initial mental health issue with the anxiety. Now you're going to tell her, you're going to put her in an environment which she, you know, may or may not need um, in, in this scary environment. So that's one trauma. And then you're going to hit her with a bill on the way out, be like, oh yeah, by the way. So now she's two things to worry about her bill. And she hasn't even resolved the issue of the original, you know, tuition situation yeah it's just i mean let's you know this is that's one of the reasons why i wanted to kind of touch on this one because you know it just it just seems like it doesn't doesn't pass the smell test you know i mean again you know who knows if there's more information beneath the surface but you know it definitely seems like one that need deserves like a second look you know in terms of the policy part of it yeah, the best thing that I can think of is um, for people that are that have family members that have kids that are you know that are listening or watching that have uh, that maybe you have kids that are in college or maybe getting ready to go to college. You know, this, it's a process, right? In the same way how when we go through the the fast food process of trying to see who's going to give us the best financial reward, I think it's also important to once you know if you're a parent or you're a student, and when you're looking into the different health insurance, because that's going to come up when you get in your packet and things is looking at, okay, you know, what does this insurance entail, right? If I am right. hospitalized, like when you're going through, what's the best insurance to take? That, that is really something for people and parents and students to review, right? So, you know, this kind of information going into it, because like we said, the best thing that we have as far as our control is that information, right? So you can make the best informed decision. So at least, you know, I'm sure she was shocked as hell when she saw that, oh, Aetna's supposed to, to take care of this. So this is what I got. So absolutely asking those questions and you are well within your right as any member of any insurance company, like you're the member. So you have every right to before, you know, um, these situations take place is calling your insurance companies and say, hey, if this happens, what am I looking at? Right. Not to discourage me, but what are my options? I think trying to get as much information as possible could hopefully maybe alleviate that some of that, you know, reluctance to go if you feel like you're going to be punished. I mean, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, especially parents and families that know that they have kids who have mental health diagnoses, right. That are going to college, right. Because there's going to be a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of these kids on college campuses are going to arrive there and they already have been in mental health treatment. They already are prescribed psychotropic medications. They're already in therapy. So you got to pre-plan, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, again, not saying you want to catastrophize and, you know, think that your, your child is going to have an emergency, but, 
you want to plan for that worst day, right? Because those people, you're not going to necessarily be in a close proximity um, or they might not necessarily be near to the providers that they're used to accessing when they're in crisis, right? So you want to actually explore those options, whether it be in the area or you want to consider that when you're considering places, you know, um, for education for these kids, you know, um, those are big things that you want to consider, right? Um, because mental health is is just like physical, is just as important as physical health, right? So mm-hmm. if you had, you know, a medical condition, you know, and you knew that the best treatment was in New York and you're from New York, you know, that you're most likely going to look for a school in New York, right? Right. Um, so the same thing goes with mental health. So if you if you have, you know, a, a good treatment provider or some or a place that you're comfortable being treated um, or a person that you have a good relationship with, then you want to consider that when you look at things like schools. Right. Um, you want to consider if you do go into crisis, how far away are you from that person or from your resources? So that's all I would kind of add on to what you're saying. Now, you're absolutely right, because um, and I have to be honest, because even going on college tours as recently as a year or two ago, you know, the main question that I always ask was, oh, you know, do you guys have a college counseling center and who's on staff? I'm going down those lines. But I have to be honest, even being a clinician myself, I'm not thinking about that. Right. I'm not thinking about like, oh, the insurance aspects of it. Right. I'm just thinking like, OK, it's in a major city. So at least I know she'll have some hospitals available or I know that, OK, you know, they have some services available if she needs it. But, you know, as a parent, that doesn't come up. So I'm happy you mentioned that because that is that, that needs to go in the checklist. Like, is your insurance going to be covered? Is there, are they in and out of network? Because that makes a big difference also. Right. And not to say that you want to put a price tag on health at, by any means. However, you don't want to be in a situation where you want to at least try to lessen that, you know, probability of you being if your kid does have to be hospitalized or seek any type of medical health and by any means that you're not going to be, you know, now dealing with this on the other end, you know, after getting treatment. So I'm happy you yeah. mentioned that because that's something that, you know, parents and everybody need to add to that to that list of, uh, you know, that checkoff list when you're when you're looking at schools. It's a fact, man, like we plan for financial emergencies. We plan for medical emergencies if necessary, but we don't plan for mental health. So Absolutely. That's all I would say. All right. All right. So last week, you know, we talked about. um talked about hip hop and and mental health and how they're infusing the lyrics into their you know um into their albums into their music which is great we're starting to see a growing trend with that and so something that's also connected with hip hop is sports right they're pretty much synonymous they go hand in hand with each other and so that's also something we wanted to bring to the forefront um today's episode is the connection of mental health and you know, in sports and professional sports, even more um, specifically. So uh, you came across some articles uh, that jumped off page for you. Uh, what was something or one of the articles that uh, you threw out there? Uh, well, the well, first one we were talking about was was kind of talking about Paul George. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a big story because, you know, a lot of people were fascinated as myself with the bubble last year because, you know, that was the first time we had kind of ever seen that type of setup. Um, and there was a lot of talk beforehand about, you know, number one, about the players that opted out, um, but that's kind of not the topic for tonight. But talking about the players that stayed and opted in, you know, how it was going to impact them, you know. Um, and, you know, Paul George kind of takes center stage because, you know, he was 
one of the players that, you know, his performance was definitely impacted. Um, and, and after uh, the season, he kind of came out and talked about how he was dealing with some anxiety and some depression, right? Um, and I mean, the reaction was extraordinary, right? I mean, from mm -hmm. Twitter to, you know, radio stations to even his own, you know, kind of, um, you know, comrades, for lack of a better term, you know, playing uh, basketball players, you know, there wasn't a lot of support. There was some, I'm not saying there wasn't none, but there, were, there wasn't a lot of support. So, you know, they, you had people giving them that nickname, Pandemic P, you know, um, overall just implying, you know, that there was weakness associated with, you know, him experiencing those symptoms, of course, which we know is not true, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I kind of just think it it, it kind of highlights, we go back to stigma a lot, right? And it highlights the stigma that's associated with, you know, us as, as Black males, especially, you know, um, acknowledging that we do experience mental health problems, right? So, now, mind you, this is 2020, right? So we've we've seen all of the PSAs, right? We've we we LeBron James is already doing the calm commercial, right? right? The best player in the world, in my opinion, right? Um, we've we've already done all of the psychoeducation, right? But you still have Charles Barkley saying, "We rich, we never in a, a dark place," right? Um, so that attitude or lack of insight or that attitude that your money insulates you. Um, you know, from experiencing, you know, mental health, you know, deficits is still around, right? Or that aura or that bravado that, you know, if you are a black male and especially a black male that's powerful, you know, you can't show, um, you know, that side of you or any type of weakness. So, of course, you know, I went right there, you know, kind of and took that from it, um, you know, but, but again, it's just another example, you know, of the lack of insight that some people have, right? Um, and I mean, because listen, you know, Charles Barkley, you know, he's an intelligent person. So, um, and and do I, you know, again, I don't know what role he was operating in, right? I don't know if he right, was entertaining right. or if that, or if that's what that's he really he, meant, you know. <laughs> but either way, you know, what we talk about is. You know, when you're in these positions of, of a certain amount of stature, right, there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes along with what you say. Right. So that part has to own. Um, and that part, you know, in my humble opinion, you know, seems irresponsible because, you know, obviously we know, you know, that just because an individual has a lot of financial resources doesn't mean that they don't experience, you know, um, sadness, depression and all the other things. Um, so what did you what did you get out of that though? Um, for me, I think you 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 touched on something really important. Is that unfortunately these athletes, men and women, that um, you know when they have like these financial resources, because the first thing, unfortunately, a lot of the general public tends to look at is, oh, well, he's making X, Y amount of dollars. He's a millionaire. He should be like kind of similar sentiments that um, that Barkley mentioned, you know, a result or I would say a lack of empathy gets thrown their way. Right. It's showed upon athletes because they have these resources. It's like, oh, well, they should be able to withstand all of these other different pressures and you know, all these other different issues and stressors that are getting thrown their way, right? Because if we're taking a look at just the bubble by itself, 
right? You have to take a look at it and, and take a step back and say, like, these people, these individuals are away from their families, right? A lot of them for a good two months are away from their families. And even though you had people saying, oh, well, they, they take long road trips and so they're away from their families all the time. No, that's completely different than being away from your family two months at a time, right? And so, you know, I think you have to kind of take a look at yourself, right? And really put yourself in their shoes and say, like, how would you feel being away from your loved ones, right? Because you can't take everybody to the bubble. You can't you can't bring everybody. <laughs> and so and the longer know, the longer you win, the longer you away. You know? exactly. So you're you're taking someone and you're putting them pretty much out of their comfort zone. You're putting them in a hotel with maybe selected individuals that they may be able to be with. But either way, they're away from the majority of their loved ones. And then now you're asking them one to abide by all of these different protocols because of COVID. And there's still a lack of information about COVID, about the strand about all these other different symptoms and how you're, how, you know, you can be affected by and, and, and things of that nature. And then you're asking these individuals to actually go out and play. Right. And now you're, you're thinking that, Oh, well, what's happening in the real world is not affecting them, but it's affecting us, right. It's affecting us in our everyday job, but you're going to expect it not to affect them. Um, I felt really bad for, for, for Paul George, you know, um, you know, truth be told, my brother is a Clippers fan. He's like one of the only Clippers fans in Philadelphia, but he's been riding with them for a <laughs> long time. So um, he's a big yeah. Paul George fan. I'm a Paul George fan even from uh, when he was playing in Indiana. And, you know, for him to actually, one, go through that. And then I felt like it was really courageous of him of him to even come out and talk about that. Right. He actually came out and said, yeah, hey, this bubble is not I'm not doing well. Right. So for him to actually right. step out and say, like, hey, I'm not doing well. I'm, I'm in a dark place right now. Right. I believe he actually sought treatment um, from like a psychologist right. or a psychiatrist during the course. Of yeah, the it was like a team team uh, psychiatrist. Right. And so, like, for me, I felt like that was really courageous. That was really brave because, again, he's already there. These players are bringing something already into their workplace. Right. They're bringing something. They're bringing these this emotional stress into the workplace. And then we're expecting them to perform at a really high level. Like to be able to block all that out and just do your job where you have in a regular circumstances, right? You have some people that aren't even going to work because either they can't because of the protocols or that they're going in a very, you know, specialized situation where uh, different things are being protocols and things are being put in place. So, like you said, I felt like a lot of those comments being displayed to him were irresponsible. Um, It was actually shocking to find out. I was reading the article and he said that he has been receiving even more trash talk like this year, right? He right. said that now, people are, are, are coming at him even harder, right? That's the, <laughs> that's the part of it, like, so think about it. Like, in reality, this is where stigma comes back. And I mean, we're making a little light of it, you know, because we're just having a conversation, but they, they're taking that and mm-hmm. using it against him and coming at his neck on the court. Right. You know what I mean? So... I mean, listen, Roger Bell said, keep it to yourself, right? So, mm-hmm. listen, it goes back to stigma, right? And I got to also, you know, raise the point of, again, I don't know if this is the case, but, you know, we know, you know, in our communities of color, especially with males, you know, there is that increased pressure, you know, to have to throw that guard up, right? And this right. does not help, right? And what I will say is, what does it say? about us, you know, especially us black males, when you have the people that are in the highest positions of power who are still that insecure, right? Charles Barkley is still that insecure, 
Right. You know, that's the major problem. You know, Rajah Bell, he's made he's made it to the highest level of being, a, you know, being an NBA player, high level of basketball you could ever make. You know, I'm sure he's I don't know if he's a millionaire, but I'm sure he's wealthy. He's made a lot of money, you know. But that's his response. Right. Keep it to yourself. Right. So his idea of manhood is tied up in, you know, whatever um, front that he, he he chooses to put up. Right. To project himself in a certain way. And that's fine. Again, I don't know him. We're talking about this one comment, right? But we're talking about how it fits into the overall stigma of mental health, especially with black males, right? And that is a part of the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's why it's so important that we have people like LeBron James, you know, people like Brandon Marshall, you know, who are that large of a figure and are willing to say, I have had these challenges, right? Because if Rajah Bell and, and Charles Barkley are shaming people, you know, for dealing with their mental health out in the open, you know, and they're the people that we admire or not. I mean, not me, but these uh, children, some some of these children admire, you know, um, then where does that leave them? You, you know, you know what I mean? Um, all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, we look at people who we either admire or people who are in positions of power for leadership. Right. That is why it was so important and we don't want to kind of switch gears, but that's why you, you see the push to have people of power and influence taking these vaccines, right? Because it, it sends a powerful message when you have, you know, people who are well-respected and trusted, you know, saying something. And it also sends a powerful message when they don't say something, you know? Um, so again, these are, these are, select comments, you know, and I don't know what they're dealing with in their personal lives or what motivated those comments. I don't know if they're just a section of what they said, but when we talk about how it contributes to the overall stigma, this is why people keep their issues to themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, it unfortunately maintains that status quo of, of the stigma, and you said something really important is, right, what's going on in their personal life. Like, I feel like the bubble just really highlighted some of the struggles that some athletes were already experiencing, right? So it's not like the bubble was an additional layer, additional stress that players had to play through and, and had to take into consideration. But then you have other players that were already dealing with things, right? And that's something, again, I feel like the general public or we as sports fans tend to forget. Like we were, like a lot of these players have lives. They have families. They have you know, they have issues and different things that they're going through. And then again, we were right. expecting them to come through. Like you mentioned um, the, the Charles Haley um, article and reading through that, like I didn't even know um, that his daughter had had leukemia. Right. But we, we still expected him to go out and play. Right. So he had had some mental health issues even as a child. Right. And now he's played through that, right? He's 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 gotten himself to a point where he's been become one of the best athletes in the world. And then you're expecting him still where well, he has these personal issues and things going on. Cause you know, if you have a child that's that's experiencing especially a severe medical issue such as that, and I don't know Charles Haley, but I can only imagine what he's going through, what the anxiety, depression, the lack of control that right. he experiences as he's growing through those channels with him and his family. But then we expect right. him to go out and play. And like you said, they're not going to come out and tell anybody about this because they don't want to be looked at, like you said, as a charity case. They don't want to be a burden. And that word that always comes up, I don't want to be looked at as weak. 
Like it always seemed like the only time you saw a league or you saw like other players tend to kind of come out and support other players that was anything remotely close to like uh, a mental health issue was if somebody passed away. Right. So if you had a player and one of their parents or, or a family member passed away, then you saw the outpouring of support and, and saying, Oh, people are reaching I mean, out to other different things, but it was still a point where it's like, Oh, we need this person to go out and play. And then it's like, things are supposed to go back to normal. That's, you know, I think that's how we approach most things though. Right. Like we can be retroactively empathic. Right. Right. So it's like when somebody dies, you know, then, you know, of course, you know, we care about mental health and suicide prevention and all of those things, you know. Um, but, you know, we kind of not we, but some people look at that person as like a burden and weak and all of those other things when they're, for lack of a better term, you know, crying for crying out for some assistance with their behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I, I mean, I. As you were talking and as I was reading the article, you know, I was just thinking about all of those things, right? Like if your child has a medical um, issue or a mental health disorder to a certain extent, like you're going through that with your child, right? Um, so his daughter going through her medical issues, he's dealing with leukemia, you know, history of suicidal ideation, you know, and then you're dealing with the pressures of the NFL, right? right. Um, and I don't know what his background is, but, you know, even if everything in your life was reasonable, reasonably stable, and you have to deal with your family members and, you know, who's not financially stable and who wants something and all of those other things. Right. right? Um, so just to kind of mix all of that up in a bowl, um, you know, it, it just kind of gives us a glimpse of just what we don't know about these people, right. That we put up on these pedestals and we follow and we scrutinize their every move. Right. Um, mm-hmm. One of these NFL players, if they go into a McDonald's and they order a meal and they have an attitude, it's it's on TMZ, right? And we're wondering what's wrong with them, <laughs> you know, but all of these things we don't consider, you know, but they're in the fishbowl. So, you know, I, again, I, reading this article, it kind of balanced, you know, me out, right? Because, again, like we're talking about him now, right? So if you're a famous person, you, your life is opened up, you know, Um but just kind of reading this, that's, that's kind of where my mind went, is the fact that, you know, sometimes we got to consider these people and kind of consider more of like a whole approach in terms of looking at all of, all of the parts of their lives instead of what is kind of just coming across the screen at the moment, you know. Right. Because Whether I mean, that's possible, I don't know. I mean, I think it also, I think I'm hoping that conversations um, such as this actually kind of create that perspective in people where when you do see an athlete and they have like this incident maybe out in public where they have you know and i'm not condoning anytime an athlete breaks the law or anything but when you start to see like any type of bizarre behavior it's as opposed to being like yo what's wrong with dude like yo he got all this money he doing it, he throwing it away maybe it's also thinking about well what happened to him like what's he going through Right? Because a lot of times when these situations start to take place, you're seeing somebody unravel. They're experiencing some type of mental health episode, which is usually a bigger picture of something else. Right. It's always like those spokes on the wheel are leading to that center. So what we see is like the anger, right? The lashing out like Charles Haley mentioned that he mentioned that. Yeah, I had a lot of aggression that I 
you know, that, that took place that I put out on the field that served him well because of his, his sport of choice, but it was like also due to his traumatic childhood, things that he went through. So when you started to see his instance, and I remember him getting into some legal issues and things, you know, during that course of time, during his playing years, but it's also maybe people can start to take a step back and be like, oh, well, this explains it, right? It doesn't condone it. But now we're starting to take a look. Like you said, they're in a fishbowl. They have all these other different things that they're going through, like normal people, right? We all have these issues. We have these ups and downs in our lives and with all these different stressors, but we're not being, you know, looked at every day, right? We don't have that job. And we also are not in a, uh, a position where we're being criticized for our job, right? I mean, could you imagine, you know, doing your job and then when you, you leave out, you clock out for the day, you're getting a million, you have talk shows and sports radio and things talking about you, talking about how bad you did your job and what you right. could have did worse, right? And right. you we still expect that individual to, like, be immune to it. And no, that's not right. the way it works. It's, you know, maybe after years of dealing and being in that that arena or that, you know, that profession, they've learned how to deal with it better. But by no means, you know, would you want somebody coming to your job telling you how bad you did, what you could improve, whether you should get fired or not, right? Yeah. All these other different things, that, but we are replacing it on this athlete. And again, these athletes have been through traumatic issues, just like anybody else, right? They're right. no different. A lot of them are coming from some really, you know, marginalized backgrounds and lower SES um, neighborhoods. And, you know, they're outliers, right? The ones that made it, they're outliers, that have made it to this particular, you yeah, know, status level of their sport and being the best that they do. But we're still expecting them to like, you know, conduct themselves and doing, you know, and again, not condoning any of the behavior that that's taken place of anybody getting hurt or anything of that nature. But I think it does, it should at least serve as a point of enlightenment of like, you know, these, these folks, these individuals are going through things and they're bringing it, with them and like you said if they're not getting the help because again they're stepping back and they're like yo i don't want to take that chance of you know not getting drafted or being cut from from the team because the organization is not in full support of you know these health issues that i'm experiencing now they're going to continue to take that in not get help and we all know what happens when you know untreated mental health takes place i don't care whether you're a regular person or you're an athlete like it's circumstances are going to get worse and things are going to start to unravel around you. So, you know, why we're expecting any more from them. It's, you know, it's really unfortunate that we're kind of putting that magnify in, in that spotlight on them and expecting them to, to fare better, especially given they're possibly in an environment, like you said, where that stigma is, is alive and well. All right. Right. So it's like, we have to also take in consideration that these individuals have taken in, a huge sacrifice just to get where they are, right? A lot of them have given up their their normal childhoods because they're working out and they're, you know, they're going to AAU, they're doing all these other different things, all this like pressure moments all throughout the majority of their life. And of course, some people can sit here and say, well, they chose to do that, but we all chose to, you know, be good in our profession, right? Whether it's going to school for a number of years so you can be the best at your profession or you're striving to become the best bank teller or bank manager or you're striving to become the best, you know, star quarterback, like we all sacrifice. And so that comes along with a lot of different stressors. So, you know, um, a lot of these athletes are bringing also things in with them. It's not like these things are just, they get to the league and they, and they just take place. But no, it, it's, you know, they're bringing a lot of baggage. They're bringing a lot of these health issues. And unfortunately, like you said, because of the stigma, 
it's discouraging them from getting that treatment. No, I, 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 I agree, man. Um, you know, again, like I, I, I definitely think it's an important topic um, and definitely ties right into the stigma. You know, I was talking about stigma today, um, you know, so I, I think those fit right in. What I would like to see, I'm happy that, like you said, you got LeBron doing like the calm. You got a lot of different players that are doing the PSAs and, you know, the leagues and things are, are starting to uh, get on board because I know there was a time even the NBA were like getting into like these um, circumstances with a lot of different players who actually did speak out against it. And they weren't as like as, you know, uh, supportive with dealing with with uh, with athletes that were suffering from mental health and um the article with my guy um from from the cults who was talking about uh his issues with experiencing uh anxiety and depression is that like this i think it's something and i'm hoping that the league starts to you know um get more supportive but become more proactive because like you mentioned it's a lot of times it's retroactive right we're, we're reacting to an, an event that takes place to a a, a a person that's obviously experienced some type of a mental health crisis. However, like, I think the best way to try to lower that stigma is if the league is like, when you come into the league, when you get drafted, in addition to, you know, them going through like, okay, the medical aspect, right. You got to go through your physical. And I think the closest that they used to come is like the, uh, to like mental health or like a psychologist was like them assessing or facilitating like the wonder lick test. Right. It's also like, listen, like what, what's going on with you emotionally, mental health wise. Right. Yeah. How about I'm hoping that they start to incorporate, you know, those batteries of those, those self-report assessments and saying like, hey, if you're experiencing this, you know, we have these services like we have a guy on the team. We have these clinicians right. that, you know, that so you're getting it at the ground level as opposed to, you know, when something happens, I mean, it would behoove just looking at it from like a business standpoint. Like if I'm an organization, if I'm a billion dollar team, you know, I want my players to be as best as possible. I want them to be in the, the tightest of health. So it's like, let me check, you know, even when they're coming in, like, I know this kid is going through shit, right? This kid is, yeah. is going through, come from the hood. It would make sense. It mean a perfect world to be like, listen, you're going through these other different things. You've experienced it. We have someone that can help you through that if you choose to. And so hopefully, you know what I mean? I think that would hopefully like lessen the stigma, but you know, I mean, the only reason why I would push back on that is because the reality is you got people, you know, a lot of people who are coming from humble beginnings and trying to feed their family. And mm -hmm. you're asking them, you're asking them to show vulnerability in the last step. So I work, I go through AAU, I go through Pop Warner, I make it to college without hurting myself. I make it to the I make it to the interview for the New York Giants and now I'm gonna tell you I got anxiety. Hell no. Now I listen, it may sound bad coming from me as a as a doctor, but let's be let's be very no, we honest. We gotta be real. We gotta be real. You you get to your you get to your doctoral interview and they say what is your greatest vulnerability? What are you going to say besides I work too hard? I work too hard. You ain't going to say that that's what you're going to say. Yeah, you right? got to play the game. You got to play the game. So, again, I think it comes back to, right, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. So it comes back to creating an environment where people don't feel like, like that is going to be held against them. You know what I mean? Now, right. owners are owners. They're businessmen. So if you could be the best tight end, the best wide receiver in the world, but if – 
that doctor sends a message up the line like, yeah, 88 is the best, but we might not be able to put uh, to, to depend on him, boss. Guess what? Guess what's going to happen? He, he ain't going to be on the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so you're right, but we got to consider, you know, both parts of it, right? That's why, and I'm not saying you don't rec- recognize this. Of course you do, but that's why HIPAA and all of that is going is is with certain things is going to be kept far away from that business uh-huh. negotiation because when we start conflating those things, you know, then <laughs> you know that the, the businessman is going to make a business decision. You know what I mean? Right. Um, me and you, you know, we we're going to be wanting to put services around somebody and give them the support. You know, not to make light of it, but you know, a business person going to make a business decision. So. I think we got to kind of look at it from both, you know, sides. So, no, you know how right. it is. You know, that's that that's how you end up with like player reps and 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 the coaches have their reps, right? And and all and all of those representatives and advocating for their side, right? Because it kind of becomes hard to be unbiased at that particular point. If you're the owner, the players for lack of a better term are your product, you know, um and if you think that something is causing is going to cause one of the players not to perform optimally, you're going to make a business decision. So I don't know. It's a convoluted you know, conversation. But again, it comes down to, again, stigma right, of mental health and how comfortable a person is going to be kind of talking about their diagnoses in the workplace, depending on how you know, it's going to affect them, affect their marketability, their productivity or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I have to admit, like, I'm like the best way, you know, outside of information, but one of the best ways to combat and lower that stigma is when you have current players, right? Like you said, you have the Paul George, and I'm really hoping that he does well um, mm-hmm. this season because he's coming, he came back strong and he's, he's been very vocal about, um, you know, the, that he's seeing that he, he, uh, he gets treatment for anxiety, his depression that, you know, his support system has been coming in. So I'm hoping that he, he comes back strong and he has been so far. And I think that'll be the best, you know, model where, where you have successful players, like you have LeBron and you have other players like Paul George that says, Hey, I was experiencing this, but I'm still on top of my game. In fact, it's been helpful in my performance, just like you mentioned. And I think that's the best thing as a, you know, not to, you know, uh, say that the Brandon Marshalls and the Charles Haley's and all the other different uh, athletes that have already retired and are still closely, you know, associated with the game. However, when you have a player that's currently playing, that's dominating, that's still relevant in playing, I feel like when those are the ones that are are talking about it, um, that's where the message becomes even stronger, right? And it's just like, listen, you know, people are going to talk, they're going to, you know, and still going to have some of these views, but I'm doing well with you know, with my treatment. So I'm, you know, I'm personally rooting for him. I'm hoping he does well. Um, you know, we'll continue, you know, we'll continue to see and monitor and watch. And, you know, I think this is definitely going to be a topic that we're going to continue to, uh, to talk about, um, because it's evolving, right. It's a continuing, it's an ongoing conversation and, you know, um, with the advances in mental health, I'm hoping that some of the organizations do start to pick up on some of these initiatives and some of these endeavors that, uh, you know, it can get applied to um, some of the players out there. So, you know, we'll continue to see, but yeah, definitely it's a lot of layers to unpack with this. Definitely. definitely. All right. So before we get out of here, um, anything you wanted to add? Um, just cause it's black history month. I just, you know, um, wanted to kind of make a note to my um, 
inspirational psychologist, you know, Kenneth and, and, and Mamie Clark, you know, who was responsible for that black doll experiment, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who's not aware of that, please do your research. Um, again, I just wanted to give them credit before the, before tomorrow and before the month runs out, you know what I mean? Um, but seriously, they, they, they are my uh, inspirations in terms of why I'm in this field. Um, so again, Kenneth and Mamie Clark, check them out if, if you're not aware of their work. All right. Absolutely. That's definitely shout out to all the pioneers, like, you know, because, you know, we got to pay it forward. It's one of the reasons why you and I do this podcast is one, we're trying to get the information out to the general public because it's important. The more information you have, the better decision you're going to make and information is power. However, it's always good to recognize those that came before us, right? The same way how we're trying to serve as models for, you know, little kids that look like us and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I can do that. I, you know, I can get that DR period before my name. It's important that we look at the trailblazers that came before, because as you know, even, even still, it's not a, you know, um, we're still in the minority as far as, you know, being black males in, you know, that are psychologists, but even thinking back then of what it was looking like, the numbers were even lower. And so where you have an individual like you just named that was so, so imperative and that, particular experiment and all the research that that individual did, we have to recognize it, right? It's important that we definitely, you know, acknowledge and highlight and spotlight those individuals that came before us and made it, you know, I'm, I'm even going to use the word cool, right? It made it cool to be a psychologist, right? It made it really cool to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about the brand. I'm going to counsel people. I'm going to do research mm-hmm. because you have someone that you can look to that look just like us that was able to do it. So, um absolutely want to continue to highlight that even don't, don't discount yourself don't discount yourself man you making it cool to be a psychologist too hey man listen uh, you know what we do we out here saving lives man you and i both you know this is this is how we do things you know so we're we gonna save lives and we're gonna look good doing it so, <laughs> i agree with you on that one bro you know yeah. uh so we appreciate everybody um you know, checking in and watching and listening. So uh, like we mentioned earlier, please feel free to, you know, hit the like, subscribe, uh, provide feedback, guys. We definitely want to hear from you. We want to talk about things that are relevant to what you have going on in your life. So um, definitely feel free to definitely put things in the comment box, like, subscribe, all that good stuff on all of our platforms on YouTube, on, uh, on Instagram. So be on the lookout for all of those pages coming through in addition to myself and Jason's individual pages. We appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Um, Everybody have a great week. Wish you the best mental health. And uh, we'll see you again next week, guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Signing off. All right, Jay. Later.